Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. Well, we have a fantastic show for you today. We're going to talk about the U.S. housing industry, the real story. Look, obviously, the housing market impacts the economy in a very big way. Understanding the trends and forecasts can help us make better, better business and investment decisions. Please welcome my first guest. It's Danielle Hale. She's the economist with the National Association of Realtors. Danielle, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure to be here. Yeah, we appreciate it. And let tell us what's the latest on the housing market. Uh, how, how is how are house home sales doing? Well, the most recent home sales data we have is from July, and it showed that uh, sales of existing homes continue to increase. They reached a pace of 5.59 million sales which is the highest pace of sales that we've seen in eight years. Um, so it's a very strong housing market this summer. Um, other signs of strength, this is the 10th consecutive month that we've seen year-over-year gains in the market. And this July, sales were up 10.3% from one year ago when sales were just 5.07 million. So good news on the existing home sales front. If we look at the region on a regional basis, there's some month-to-month variation. But from a year ago, all regions have higher home sales, and we've seen that for seven consecutive months. Now, looking at the new home sales data that was out uh, earlier this week, we saw that the new, ho- the new home sales market is following the same trend. They had a somewhat disappointing June, but in July, new home sales rose to 507,000. So it's above June's pace and also 25.8% above last July's pace, so a really strong rebound from a year ago. And same thing, you see slight differences from region to region, uh, but in new home sales, every region except the Midwest showed gains for the month and very strong gains over the year. Um, So it's a very strong housing market uh, as we're into the summer sales season. Okay. And how are these value increases in these homes, these prices, and how's it trending and how's it compared to, say, historic numbers? Uh, So home prices have been rising. Um, The median price of new homes is only up 2% in the most recent data, but um, NAR data on existing homes showed that the prices were up 5.6% from a year ago. Um, And we've seen consecutive uh, months of year-over-year home price gains for 41 months. That's nearly three and a half years. So the housing market is really climbing back. It depends on the market you're in, whether you're back up to peak prices or not. And it depends when we look at the national perspective which source data you're using, basically. Um, NAR showed that prices have reached back to the previous peaks in June, um, but other data still shows that we're maybe a couple percent shy of the previous levels of prices. So um, on the whole, though, we've seen a tremendous amount of price recovery, and that's great news for current owners who are seeing equity being restored in their properties or new equity created. Yeah, that certainly is uh, good news for the economy overall. What about the new supply, the new home construction? Uh, what do you see there, the trends, and what do you expect moving forward? Um, so new home construction has um, shown some signs of life, though still not as much life as we'd like to see. Um, one of the things that we are constantly seeing in the existing home market is that the, uh, is that supply is low and one of the reasons we're seeing these price gains is that demand is larger than the supply that's available. And one of the things that could help that situation is new home construction. You might think, oh, well, if, um, 
you know, if people just put their homes in the market, then you have a greater supply of existing homes. So doesn't that solve the problem? And the answer is no, not really, because a lot of those people who are listing their homes to sell are current owners, and they're probably going to move into another owner-occupied home. So you really need new construction uh, to create some real addition to inventory uh, in the housing market. And, and that's something that we've seen sort of pick up a little bit, um, and it's moving in the right direction, but uh, still not quite back to where we need to be. I see. And new home sales certainly help the economy in, in lots of other ways, uh, uh, building these new uh, new homes. What about the median sales price of a home today, uh, Danielle? How does that compare to, say, the median uh, home uh, value or price uh, back in 06 when the market was really hot? So, as I mentioned, it depends on which data source you use. So, the mm-hmm. NAR data um, shows that home prices in June uh, exceeded the peak price um, that we had seen before. Um, so according to our data, homes are back up to the peak price. Now, in some of the other data sources, there's uh, Case Shiller, CoreLogic, the Federal Housing Finance Agency has a home price index. So lots of different ways to measure the market. And some of them show that uh, prices are within a couple percent, anywhere from 2 to 5 percent, depending on the source of the data. Um, so in, in most markets, um, we're not quite there yet uh, to that peak price. Now, as I mentioned, it depends on the market. In some markets, home prices are up way above um, those previous peaks. So it really just depends on where you are and what the local fundamentals are. But from a national perspective, most markets are either there or pretty close. Okay. So if, if we have a median price for the U.S. of, of at or, or above uh, the peak back in 06, and we have a fairly low level of new supply, what does that mean for future values moving forward? Right. With a low level of new supply, as long as we see continued demand, and we expect mm-hmm. that given the job growth and strength of the economy that we've had, that, that demand will continue to uh, be out there in the market. So we expect some further increases in prices. Um, now, it, it gets a little bit tricky as we get into this, you know, new levels of uh, record levels of prices, whether or not that demand will continue to exist. We could get into some affordability crunches for some buyers, and so that might uh, dampen demand somewhat. Um, but at this price level, for certain, we've continued to see strong demand, and that has tended to push prices higher. So the median price in June, for example, was Two hundred thirty-six thousand three hundred, um, and that is the all-time high um, since we since we started keeping track. The previous peak was in uh, two thousand six, as you mentioned, and the price was two hundred thirty thousand four hundred dollars. So um, we're back up to that level uh, in the housing market, um, which is a great thing for owners, current owners. It's given them a lot of equity. Okay. Well, we're talking with Danielle Hale, economist with the National Association of Realtors, about the U.S. housing market. And I think it's interesting when you talk about affordability, you talk about median prices that are, are, are kind of, I guess, at record numbers, if you will. How is the, the, the values of these homes keeping up with the fundamentals of, of jobs and wages? Well, we've seen a lot of job growth in the last year. Um, so in the first half of the year, um, we had job growth that averaged over 200,000 a year. So uh, total new jobs were 1.3 million in the first half of the year. Um, And those jobs 
uh, enable some household formation that we probably haven't seen uh, in recent years. So uh, we won't have hard data on that for a little while, but we expect that uh, we'll see some new household formation. Uh, we've also seen incomes start to come back. They're, they're by no means roaring back, but they are doing better than they have done in years. Um, median earnings of employees, for instance, rose 2.1% in the second quarter, um, which is a noticeable improvement from what we've seen in the past. So um, the job growth and income growth that we've seen on a fundamental basis, I think, is really the big driver between or behind the housing market increases that we've seen this summer. Okay, so there's no concern right now then that the affordability issue with with the wages not increasing as much as as home prices are increasing, that's not an issue right now. But what about if uh, as interest rates increase? Uh, you know, we're all expecting interest rates to to start <laughs> rising at some point, right? Where do we go with affordability there? Yeah, certainly, um, interest rates are expected to rise. Now, whether the events of this past week. Uh, delay that uh, inevitable rise a little bit or not, uh, we do expect that they are going to go up in the future. And when you're financing a home, as 90% of buyers do, um, the mortgage rate is a key determinant in uh, in what happens as far as affordability. The mortgage rates are rising, uh, homes become less affordable for buyers, and particularly for uh, first-time or you know first-time trade-up buyers who tend not to have as much equity in their properties. And so those um, those entry-level buyers are the most affected when we see mortgage rates start to rise. Um, so that could, uh, that could mean that as mortgage rates rise, we see a little bit of a slacking off in demand. Um, but at the same time, those fundamentals remain solid. Uh, I think that the rebound that we've seen in the housing market this summer is really due to job growth that we had before the first half of the year. I mentioned the the strength of the job growth in the first half of the year, Uh, but there tends to be a bit of a lag between the job growth and the actual home purchase because uh, in the financing process. And and I want to hear more about that. We take a short break. We'll be right back with more on the U.S. housing market. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the U.S. housing market, the real story. My guest is Danielle Hale. She's an economist with the National Association of Realtors. And, and Danielle, I think one question that my listeners might have on their mind is the impact of rising interest rates initially on the home buying market. Are there possibly a lot of buyers that are on the fence now when they start seeing interest rates start to climb a little bit that they may become more active? Yeah, that's certainly been the experience that we've seen in the past. Typically, um, after an initial rate increase, uh, we see a lot of those buyers who had been looking uh, make a quick decision um, instead of you know continuing to look, thinking, oh, well, you know, the rates are going to be the same. It's not a big deal. If I wait, I can wait for the next property. Um, but usually, as those rates start to move up, we see um, a big, a big surge of activity. Um, and the interesting thing is, as we enter this tightening cycle, uh, you know, it might be that um, that that pressure sort of remains in the housing market for those people who are looking. Is that the it might shorten the timeline um, 
of search as people get into the market and they know that uh, the interest rate pressure and trend is constantly on the upside, it might um, it might get them to think and think through their decision a little bit less potentially and act on it a little bit quicker than once they come to the point where they're ready to actually purchase a home. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we've been hearing about rates uh, risings for so long. It's like now it's like, oh, yeah, really? Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll believe it when we see it. But I think another question my listeners may have for you is, is how does the economy in China uh, and the U.S. stock market, how much do those types of, of things have an impact on the U.S. housing market? Um, well, the uh, I, I guess for the decline in the U.S. stock market, it may create some uncertainty um, for some buyers who are in the market. Just in general, uh, big economic events like that um, tend to lead to, uh, you know, a little bit of uncertainty. Uh, but sometimes that uncertainty can be a positive thing for mortgage rates. We talked about how, in general, the expectation is that uh, mortgage rates are going to go up, but they tend to sort of take a pause and sometimes move a little bit lower when you have a lot of uncertainty in the market like that. Um, as far as concrete impacts, uh, we find that 9% of buyers indicate that they make a down payment um, from selling stocks or bonds, and another 9% indicate that they use 401k pension funds, including um, some sort of a loan. So um, it could be that for some people, this market disruption came at a really bad time. Um, but generally, uh, generally, we shouldn't see a huge impact, especially if it's a relatively short-lived and financial situation only. And as far as the situation in China, we do have some international buyers, and they're, uh, they're a significant portion of existing home sales, about 4% total. Um, but, you know, as disruptive as the stock market decline in China has been, if you look on a year-over-year basis, the market there is still up pretty substantially. So... We think that this uh, this uh, decline that's happened recently will affect only a really small portion of uh, investors, and so it should not have broader effects as long as it you know remains relatively contained, which is what we expect so far. Okay, so with the economy um, problems in China, might that help U.S. home sales or maybe more Chinese and, and other foreign investors uh, looking at the U.S. housing market as a safe haven? Yeah, certainly. It, it remains um, a safe haven option for investors around the world. Um, and even in the most recent year, you know, purchases of, invest, of U.S. real estate by foreigners, China is one of the top five countries. Um, of whose investors are purchasing in the U.S. So it will continue to be an important outlet for those investors. And they're buying expensive homes, aren't they? They're not buying the starter homes. Yeah, that's right. So um, the overall average U.S. price is about 256000 That's different than the median that we talked about before, just slightly different math. Um, but on average, foreign clients are buying nearly a $500,000 house. So it's nearly twice the price of the average U.S. house. And are they buying houses and condos or are more of one or the other? Um, they're pretty active in all types of um, purchase market. Um, so it depends on the specific market that they're in, but uh, we see them pretty active in both types of 
housing market. And what states do you find foreign investors most active? Uh, I, I tend to think of, of Florida, maybe California. Where are they active? Yeah, they are in the larger states. So Florida, California, which are large population states, large volume states in general. Um, also, Texas and Arizona are uh, where we see the biggest uh, portion of international sales. In fact, those four states uh, alone counted uh, accounted for half of the international sales that we saw. So foreigners are purchasing property nationwide. So every state has some foreign activity. Okay. All right. So we have foreign investors. You know, we have the uh, the funds that have come in and bought a lot of houses and, and are renting them out and holding them, it seems, uh, for the most part. You know, then we had some uh, governmental uh, incentives uh, for buyers to, to buy homes. What do you say to folks who say, hey, maybe because of these reasons, uh, there's a housing bubble? I mean, the prices are, are historically at the top. Uh, what do you say to those people? Well, I think there, there aren't any new incentives for, um, for buyers to get into the existing home market or to the housing market. Um, so if most of the government programs that are in place have been in place for a very long period of time, I'm thinking specifically of the mortgage interest deduction that's uh, been in the tax code since its inception. Um, so I don't think that you can tie those particular incentives to any specific um, gyrations in the housing market. And I think that they do a lot to open up opportunities to potential buyers. And um, so I, I think that um, those are essentially a, a positive for the housing market. Okay. So the amount, large amount of investor purchases, whether it's funds or, or foreign investors, uh, you don't think has a, has a big impact on, on the values or as far as the, a bubble that some people might think is out there or be worried about at least? Well, I think that those, those funds and the foreign investors, I mean, they're purchasing uh, as an investment. So I think they're going to make sure to uh, look at the fundamentals of the market and make sure to take care of their investment. And I think, you know, once it gets to a point where the prices really are quite high, which maybe we're at right now, it might make sense for some of those purchasers to sell some of those properties and realize the gains that they have. And so that could be a potential source of additional supply to the market other than the new construction. Okay. We're short on the break, but uh, what price range of homes are are most active and sought after right now? We've really seen uh, the biggest activity in the above median prices. Last year, it was in the upper, upper tier. This year, we're seeing more evenly spread in the median and all above median prices. The only place that activity is lagging is in the lowest tier, and that's probably because we see less importance and fewer opportunities in distressed properties. Okay, and so the future, you're bullish on the future of the housing market then? I think the fundamentals are strong. We talked about job growth and income growth. I think that the that those fundamentals are strong enough to weather the mortgage rate increases that we all know are coming. Um, but only time will tell. <laughs> well, that's good news, and it sounds like you gave some more um, astute information for investors. Buy low, sell high, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Danielle, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Yep, happy to be here. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on the U.S. housing market. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back.
Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the U.S. housing industry, The Real Story. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show, and I'm Michael Bull. Please welcome my next guest. It's Mitch Rochelle. Mitch is U.S. practice leader with PwC, and he's joining us on Skype. Mitch, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Michael. I'd like to remind you and your audience that I was, in fact, your first Skype guest. That's right. The very first one. So, <laughs> And we'll get you in your fancy studio next time, right? Yeah, next time. This is my really messy office right now. That's right. They put you in a nice office there, Mitch. Um, Mitch, you know, we just heard from uh, National Association of Realtors about the numbers in the housing market, but i like to talk to you about the perspective, you know, and how that impacts the economy and how it impacts commercial real estate. You know, we all would like to know the forecast, right? We'd like to know the future so we can invest wisely in our businesses and in real estate. But to kind of get us started, you know, how much does housing really impact the U.S. economy? What's interesting, Michael, about the housing data, and one of the challenges with housing data is how noisy it is, varying, there's weekly data, there's like the NAR, there's monthly, but there's just a lot of information out there. And what's interesting about it is how focused economists, um, policymakers, and the like are tied to those economic uh, indicators, housing being a primary economic indicator. But if you cut through sort of the, the policy aspects of it, the fact of the matter is the American dream of owning a home one day is really sort of vital to the continued um, sustainability of growth of the U.S. economy. And we'll probably talk more in, in follow-up questions, but that manifests itself in other aspects of job creation, whether it be construction, um, the industries tied to that. Then there's the financial side of it, which the job creation in the financial markets and banking and related, the lawyers that close the loans, et cetera. Um, and then we have all of the purchases that go into homes and retail sales. A couple of years ago, when the housing market made its first big surge, no surprise, there was tremendous uptake in retail sales. So there's a non-effect of housing, Americans' housing decisions, and uh, how that flows for the U.S. economy. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Mitch. And I guess we all saw it, right, in the housing downturn that we just went through. You saw uh, retail take a hit. You saw furniture sales take a hit, right? And uh, it was interesting. Uh, I used to get gas at this place for my boat, and the guy that owned the station would say, are you filling it up? And I'd say, yes, I'm filling it up. And he asked me that every time. So one time I asked him, so why are you asking me if I'm filling up? He says, Michael, you're in real estate. So if you come in here and get $5 worth of gas, I'm selling all my stock. <laughs> so it can be a real indicator of the economy. Their boats, it's a leading indicator of something. <laughs> That's right. But uh, housing is, is a real indicator of the economy, isn't it? Yeah, but what's interesting, and as you heard in, in the previous segment, what's really interesting is the housing market is largely fully recovered as it relates to existing home sales and existing home activity. What Where it's not fully recovered is on the new 
um, home side of things. So while Americans are in fact buying houses, and, in, and interestingly enough, the rate at which new homes are being bought is exceeding the 25-year, the long-term average, but in new home sales, they're not. So the reason why there's so much focus as it relates to the economy is all of the jobs that we created in the early part of the previous decade around the construction boom really haven't been replaced because we're not building homes at the rate that we used to be. We're building homes at a 200,000 uh, unit a clip annual rate as opposed to uh, almost 700,000 unit a clip rate in a 25 year long term average. So that's where the problem lies as it relates to job creation in housing. Um, however, people are in fact buying houses and they're buying actually more houses today between new and uh, existing than the 25-year average. So we do have the positive uplift on the economy from the retail side of things, from the um, closing of loans and so forth. We just don't have new home activity anywhere near levels that we saw in the last decade. Right. And like you said, job growth is, is crucial to the economy and to commercial real estate. So talk to us about the correlation between jobs and, and housing that, uh, that you've seen maybe since yeah. the recession. Yeah, so we, we took a look at, um, at PwC going back to 1965 at the labor workforce participation rate and um, the home ownership rate. So no surprise, the home ownership rate where it sits today is at a historic low which does put in question the, the American dream. And if you look at four different periods, there was either positive or negative correlation. But what's most interesting, since the financial crisis, the correlation between the home ownership rate and the labor workforce participation rate is about 90.97, which is about the most positive correlation you can have. Now, maybe because the items driving decision-making and workforce participation are the same, and maybe it's an absolute coincidence, but you can't overlook the fact that the housing market and the economy and jobs are all interrelated. That's right. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on the U.S. housing industry. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit Realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Our topic today, the U.S. housing industry, the real story. Mitch Rochelle is our guest with PwC. And Mitch, the um, in commercial real estate in particular, and I guess the economy overall, everyone's concerned about rising interest rates. How much does the Fed consider the housing industry and what's happening with, with home starts and, and resales uh, in their decision process for rates? It, it's obviously just hard to get into the minds of policymakers <laughs> who guard their decision making pretty closely. Having said that... Do you want to get in their minds? Right? I'm not quite sure if I want to get into that head or not. That said, what's an interesting um, observation for your audience, Michael, is the fact that housing numbers are data points that are in fact looked at very closely by policymakers as it relates to interest rate changes. A, as we talked about in the previous segment, because they're an econ leading economic indicator, and B, realize how intertied are housing and job and um, 
economic growth day points are to one another. If they were to raise rates 100 basis points over time, what impact would have on housing market and thus have potentially detrimental impact on job creation in this country? And the thing that everybody ignores is that the jobs aren't just construction jobs. They're every other job that's tied to housing, down to the retail worker in the home improvement store who may lose his or her job if sales volume is down because people aren't buying new homes and furnishing new homes and so forth. That's right. I might lose my Saturday job at Lowe's, right, if (laughs) housing takes a hit. What about the media and housing? It seems like the economy and the stock market really relates, uh, reacts to news and the media uh, pretty tightly. What about the housing news? How does the the media impact that and uh, how does that impact our economy? What's interesting is if, if I get daily data feeds from a whole bunch of brokerage firms and other data sources, if the housing numbers come out on the 24th of the month of, of August and that will be a news story that the markets react to that day, especially in the period that we're in right now. We've got question about what is the Fed going to do in September as it relates to rates. So the markets themselves, when I'm talking about markets, I mean public equity markets are going to be looking very, very closely at housing data as some indicator of what that portends for what the Fed may do and recognizing that job data is coming out a week or so later and it's all going to be in the calculus of policymakers. So the markets right now, which are quite volatile due to factors outside of the United States, something domestic like housing is going to get a lot of focus because traders are going to try to figure out is what's going on here somehow tied to what's going on around the world? Is the economy less stable than we thought it's going to be? And how's the Fed going to react to all of that? Right. Good point. And, uh, you know, this is the commercial real estate show. So I think a lot of my audience is curious how housing is impacting some of the commercial real estate sectors. And if you will, Mitch, look at multifamily first, because I think some people think that uh, increase in housing uh, sales and new home sales could hurt multifamily as some of these tenants move out. What's the real story? The interesting thing about multifamily is so we've created roughly 8 million households and let me define what that is because that's sort of economist speak but a household is when and Michael you may this may be close to home for you Mm -hmm. is when children move out of their parents house that is a household formation from a um, census bureau perspective so we've created more than 8 million households over the last several years for which new homes have not been constructed So that is demand, and when I say new homes, I'm talking single family and multifamily alike. So that is demand for housing that has not been satisfied with new housing supply. So if you just think about it, this from a supply and demand perspective, we have tremendous demand for housing, whether it be rental or for sale housing, and we haven't meaningfully added to supply. That is why the apartment market is on fire And that's why rents continue to go up in the apartment market at potentially an unsustainable. And how might it impact the apartment market moving forward if the housing market heats up? If you let some of the air out of the demand bubble for multifamily housing, 
at the benefit, not the expense, at the benefit of single family for sale housing, that would serve to lower the trajectory of rent growth for the multifamily market, but not devastate it because that abundant supply, 8 million households in the rental pool, not in the home ownership pool, that is not a sustainable model from a rent growth perspective. So actually the apartment market, if you think about it from a perspective, is begging for um, either less demand or more supply. More likely we'll see less demand over time as opposed to a, a crazy amount of new supply. Okay. And what about rising interest rates? So if rising interest rates uh, could impact housing, uh, maybe less people can uh, afford homes as interest rates rise. For people investing in apartments uh, quick before the break, is that good news? Does it help the apartment market to have some rate increase? What's, what's really interesting from the research that we've done at PwC and some of the joint research we've done with the Urban Land Institute, most commercial real estate investors going back the last several years have expected rates to rise. My lights just went off from <laughs> lack of activity. Not the mental activity, but the lack of activity. But in any event, so if invest, commercial real estate investors expect rates to rise and they're working that into the calculus, I don't think a expected rate increase is going to adversely affect real estate invest, commercial real estate investing activity. It would only be an impact if the degree of rate rise was greater than what is expected. And what they're expecting is about 100 basis points over about a year to an 18 month period. All right, we'll be right back. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like to shake hands with decision makers in your favorite commercial real estate sector? Visit interfaceconferencegroup.com for multifamily student and senior housing to net lease and healthcare conferences all over the country. Visit interfaceconferencegroup.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the U.S. housing economy. And now we're going to talk about how it impacts some of the retail and office sectors around the country. We have Mitch Rochelle with us, U.S. practice leader with PwC. And Mitch, how does, does housing impact retail real estate today and retailers? Well, so somebody buys a new or existing home, the first thing they need to do is go to the home improvement store and buy the stuff that they need to fix up the home. So as we have um, an uptick in new home sales, uh, but more realistically existing home sales, we're going to see demand for retail. Um, the challenge you have with retail as it relates to the path of growth is, and I talked about in a previous segment, since we really don't have activity in the new home sales and new home creation side of things, and all the activity in, in the existing home uh, space, what we don't have is new rooftops, and new rooftops creating that incremental demand, demand for real, your typical grocery anchored, uh, drug anchored strip uh, and neighborhood centers. So that's part of the challenge we have. Um, the, these aren't 
when we talk about existing home sales, they aren't necessarily vacant homes that are now finding uh, new inhabitants in it. It's just turnover of uh, occupants in homes. So we're not creating incremental demand for retail. So there's still a bit of a headwind as it relates to new home construction and creation for retail. However, subsets of retail are benefiting, like I said earlier, in the home improvement and the furniture spaces uh, and so forth. Okay. Well, Mitch, I want you to look into your crystal ball that I know you have there for your important clients, <laughs> the PwC crystal ball. What do you expect for housing uh, moving forward? Uh, if we were to I should put like a Karnak hat on or something, <laughs> yeah. but when we look into our crystal ball, we actually see activity staying roughly at the pace that it's staying at. So continued activity in the existing home sales space, continued activity in terms of housing starts at about a two to 300,000 annual um, clip, greater housing starts in the multifamily space to satisfy that excess demand you have for multifamily um, housing, uh, but not anything really aberrational. From month to month because of weather, because month to month because of other um, economic indicators and or consumer confidence. You may see one month, but when we look at the data, we try to look at a lot of it versus a 25-year average to smooth out some of the economic cycles. And we see uh, the housing market continuing at the pace that it's continuing at, notwithstanding a 25 basis point uptick in rates or 25 basis point uptick in rates there. So. I'd like to ask you now about the office market. I think some people may think, well, how does housing impact the office market, does it? When you think about housing, you tend to think about suburban markets, office markets as opposed to CBD office markets. Um, and what I like to remind everybody is if you looked at a building, the you know, 200,000 foot building in Atlanta, somewhere suburban in your market there, Michael, what you probably saw in the rent roll in 2006 was 50 plus percent of the tenants having somehow ties to the housing market. Uh, title companies, brokers, construction companies, engineers, uh, maybe even land planners who are working on track development. You had a lot of demand for space tied to the biggest driver of our economy at the time, which was the housing market, but the new construction side of the housing market. Now that's gone. And what's interesting is that demand in those office, um, suburban office segments has largely been replaced with medical uses because of an aging population and yeah. happy to talk about that on, on another show. Well, Mitch, but, it sounds like the office market or suburban market might do well if housing improves. Thanks for joining us, Mitch. And thank you out there for joining us on the 42 radio stations. Be sure and join us next week. We're going to talk the FASB lease accounting changes and how that's going to impact commercial real estate. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Realnext, a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnext.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit Excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. 
Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit CommercialSearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.